Hey, queens and our kings. We are back for part two of These Three Things with Tina Thompson. We are picking up right where we left off in part one. I just asked Tina about what her experience was like when she became the head coach at Virginia. And we'll pick up right from there. I hope you enjoy it. It's some good conversation in this episode. Tina Thompson, Sharana Reeves, These Three Things, Part Two. So, Tina, as the head coach of the University of Virginia, you spent how many years? Four years as an assistant coach at Texas? Is that correct? Three. Three years. Wow. Three years as an assistant coach at Texas. Um, You get the head coaching job at the University of Virginia. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's talk about us sisters, black women. When you get the head coaching job, do you... Are you embraced? Are we are we happy for you? Are we excited for you? Did you feel uh, support? Oh, no, I absolutely did not. I mean, we spoke about how we met walking into a room early in the morning and me speaking to a group of coaches. Um, what I neglected to say is that those group of coaches, 90% of them look like me. And the fact that I could walk in a room now as coach Tina Thompson and not the Tina Thompson, the um, perspective or the narrative changed completely because not long ago, I mean, just within, you know, a few years I was playing in the WNBA, I am bumping into and not knowing most of these uh, noun coaches personally, but them meeting me at as Tina Thompson, their um, approach to me, the conversation that they had with me, very different, inviting me to come and speak to their kids and maybe you can catch a game and all this kind of stuff. And now that I am um, in the same field as you, it changed completely. Um, I would be totally dishonest if I said that I wasn't, that I was completely surprised. I was surprised at the actions and how um, coaches, especially those of color, carried themselves. Yeah. And like I said, when we started, I knew that 
that was the case. And I will say that for years, anyone who has known me in basketball that I've actually sat down and had a conversation with will learn quickly about me that I'm pro women, but I'm real pro black women. I love us. All of our stank attitude and stankness and beauty (laughs) and complexions and all that comes with us. I love us. Even black women that don't even like me, that don't even speak to me. If you're successful, I'm still rooting for you. Absolutely. We may not even talk, but I'm still rooting for you. Absolutely. And I guess my question is, are we wrong as black women to expect other sisters to root for us? Um, I don't expect anyone to cheer for me. I don't expect people without reason to cheer against me or to tear me down for no reason. Um, I don't make up things about people. I don't make up things about anything. Like my truth is true. It's based on my realities and, you know, my experiences. I don't talk about other people, not just women. I don't talk about other people to make me look a certain way or to be perceived another way. Like I am who I am and I work very hard at being the best version of myself. So the idea of you know, receiving information that people are either saying things against me or making things up in order to, you know, make themselves look better or for them to achieve a certain goal or feat. It is, I don't understand that because it's just not my process and how I function and how I think. Same. And I will tell you that I I do feel different about that. If you are a black woman, and you have reached a level of success that I know you've had to work hard to achieve because you and I both know that most of the time we have to do double to get the opportunities that we get. We have to work harder to get the opportunities that we get. I don't expect to be torn down by another sister. That bothers me. That has bothered me about coaching for years. I don't expect for you to tear me down. And those things have bothered me through the years in the, in the coaching world because I'm like, sis, I know you and I may be competing for the same kid and maybe you'll get her, maybe I'll get her. And at the end of the day, that kid's going to make the decision to go wherever she it's wants to process. go. It's their process. It's their process. And you and I shouldn't fall out over that. Mm-mm. You and I shouldn't become enemies over that. And, you know, I've also had experiences with sisters that I work with. You know, and there's one occasion that I'm, I'm going to say, I'm not going to name names, but I'm going to talk about it. A sister that I really was so hyped to work with. She has been stellar in the coaching world and what she does. And when I, you know, got the opportunity to work with her, I went into this situation. And I was so geeked. I'm yeah. like, I'm going to learn something, you know. And it's not that I haven't been in the game. I've been in the game 18 years. It's right. not like I don't know things. But to me, like I said... I'm a fan of people. I'm a fan of effort and hard work. I respect that in people. And so I couldn't wait to get to work with her. And in a coaching meeting one day, me, her, and and our other assistant coach, they both looked at me and told me, we didn't want you here. Wow. I can't even begin to tell you, Tina, how devastated I was by that conversation. Point blank, we didn't want you here. I wanted our boss at that time to hire this person. 
I have never forgotten that. And I continue to work with this person and move forward with her, but she has no idea how much I looked up to her. She has no idea how much I couldn't wait to learn from her, how much I was geeked and telling everybody I knew, like, you know, man, you know, I'm about to go to another level. Absolutely. And to hear her say that to me, it devastated me. And I don't expect that. I don't expect that from other sisters. And, you know, I, I, I love the fact that you're like, okay, if you don't root for me, you don't root for me. I just feel like sometimes it's hard enough for us out here to get opportunities, to get doors open for us, for us to tear each other down. Well, I didn't start that way. But um, those, the experiences that I have in my life have shaped how I think. I had expectations of people based on how I think. That was a very naive and youthful thought process. But how I think today is based on my experiences. Um, I would often be told by my coaches, by my family, that everyone is not like you. They don't work the way you do. (laughs) They're not going to be kind the way that you do. They're not going to be given the way, be a given person the way you are. They are not going to look out for other people that are not like you. Yes. Meaning that um, I have for a really long time, most of my experience in basketball been successful. It is solely a matter of my extremely hard work. I wanted certain things, so I worked for them all day long. Um, Because I didn't have the expectation of anyone giving me anything. Mm -hmm. It wasn't how I was raised. So I would be in circumstances where I'm like, we're in practice. I don't understand why you're working hard, why you're not working hard. Why would you be here? We came here to get better at playing basketball. Again, a reminder that everyone is not like you. Um, Come entering in a a room and saying hello and people not speaking back. Another reminder of people not being like you. You having more than enough. So you're deciding to share with someone. Mm -hmm. And then you become... You're in a situation where that same person that you shared with when they had anything has more and doesn't even offer whether you need it or not. Right. Again, a reminder of this person not being like me. So my reality is, is that my expectation of you is based on what you show me. It doesn't change how I'm going to function. I'm still going to give as I give and treat people um, in a kind and humane way. But unfortunately, there are more examples of people not doing the things in a proper way that, hey, it's all in the numbers. Yeah, you're going to nudge me. I mean, listening to you, I I know what you're saying is true. It's just because people aren't like me or you in some instances. And we talked about, you know, sometimes that's how we know uh, eventually we would probably have become friends somewhere in life just because of how we move. But, Absolutely. Um, okay, so let's move on. With that being said, that you did not feel embraced by women of color, uh, and you were okay with that. And it was a little disappointing, maybe even a little surprising, but how have you handled it? And, and now as a head coach, in the head coach seat, you're out here recruiting and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, things being said that are not always true. Yes. And for the sake of, you know, landing a recruiter, you know, getting a player. How have you handled it? Um, I have to. I have definitely um, 
curtailed my my anger and my ability to turn into a whole beast mm -hmm. because I don't appreciate like wrongdoing and or bullying or um, anyone putting someone else in a position where they feel um, less than or they feel bullied. Like I am a protector like by nature. Mm -hmm. So I know that I can take care of myself. So those are the reasons why I'm not bothered because I'm personally a whole beast. Yeah. Like I don't have problems because reality, you don't want to have problems with me. Yeah. Um, my concern more so than anything is that, um, when people in positions the, of authority and supervision function in the way that they function in order to win, mm -hmm. they lose sight of the fact that your winning involves young people. Yeah. So you are so focused on doing whatever it takes, mm -hmm. good or bad to get your win or what a win looks like for you, you are overlooking the fact that the things that you are doing are being heard or watched by a young person that you are supposed to be influencing in a positive, in a positive way. way. So you are indirectly showing them poor behavior. Mm -hmm. And we are blessed to, put in, to be in this position to grow young people. Yeah. We are getting other people's children, other people's children, yeah. not your own, with the um, thought process or the understanding or the promise of growing them in a positive way so that when they leave this experience in their formative years, mm -hmm. that they are ready for the worst rest of the world. Yeah. The fact that we put little girls that look like us in a position to have to decide when they are not ready mm -hmm. to necessarily decide what to choose, good or bad. Yeah. Um, that bothers me like to my soul and to my core. So what I continue to do is that I pray about it yeah. often. It is cons consistent on my prayer list and I continue to be exactly who I am because one thing that I will never allow anyone to do is force me to not be exactly who I am. I was blessed with this magic of melanin and I will wear it as a badge of honor That's um, right. until I can no longer wear it. You are listening to these three things. We'll be right back. Hey friend. Have you gotten your These Three Things t-shirt yet? Girl, did you know that every time you purchase a t-shirt, a percentage of your purchase is donated to Until Freedom? Friend, Until Freedom is a social justice organization that addresses systemic and racial injustice. Come on, go to www.these3-things.com. Go to the shop page and order your t-shirt today. And to learn more about Until Freedom, visit their site at untilfreedom.com. Carla Williams. Yes. Let's talk about her. A boss. She is everything. <laughs> A boss. Carla Williams is the athletics director at the University of Virginia. Um, one of very few athletic directors at 
major power five institutions. The first. The first. That's what I thought. I thought she was the first. Um, Tell me about Carla and the impact that Carla being an athletic director at a predominantly white institution, the magnitude that that has on the psyche and uh, the, the heart of the young girls that attend Virginia? I think that it has, I know that it has a very positive effect because it um, is an example of what is possible. I think the, uh, I know the best part about it is that how she carries herself in these circumstances that the impact is not just on young women that look like her. It is um, on young women and young men, period. Um, One thing that I love and I appreciate about sports is that um, it puts people in a position to, I don't believe that there's a such thing as I don't see color. Right. Um, I believe that everyone sees color. Right. I do also believe that you can see color and it not matter. That, of course you see it. If you can actually see, you see color. Sports also puts people in a circumstance in which color does not, or or color or race does not have to matter. Right. If everyone buys in, if everyone has the same goal, if winning camaraderie and success and just doing the absolute best that we can and hard work is uh, respected, um, support and having your teammates back is what is important all those other things do not even come into play. The love you have for one another, the adoration that you have for one another are the things that are important. I appreciate Carla because she represents that. The majority of the people that she interacts with or they come to be in her presence have those same sentiments in that she is just a good per- person in nature. Yeah. Her intentions is to educate young people. Her intention is to diversify, provide access for kids that look like her. Yes. To put everyone in the mindset that opportunity should be for all young people and not just certain young people. So I am very blessed to be under her leadership and so excited about um, the consistent opportunities to work with her because that's what she represents. As a boss, she gets it. She has worked at all levels of athletics. So conversations with her are different. How she sees young people is different. She cares in a way that a lot of people, not just women, people in that position don't because she was an all SEC player. She was a graduate assistant. She was an assistant coach. She worked in academics. You know what I mean? She uh, then worked as a, a deputy athletic director and then got her opportunity. So there is an understanding and a degree of knowing that you just don't get with someone in that position. And the flack, the fact that she was once a little black girl in athletics mm. um, changes it all. Yeah. You know, there's just a deepness and just a um, 
reality that just comes with her life experience that just makes her good for athletics. Yeah. And I'm going to go back to what you started off saying. Carla is the first Mm -hmm. of us as black women, which takes me back to what we just talked about. That is why I, it rips me for us to make life harder for each other. Because think about, this is 2020, and Carla is the first. And Carla's been the AD of Virginia, what, two years now? Has it been two years or three? Uh, Almost three. Okay, Mm -hmm. three years. It took this long for us to get one of us, a black woman, in this seat. And she didn't have a roadmap. There was no sister before her. There wasn't anyone that could grab her by the arm and say, hey, Carla, this is how you maneuver here. These are things that you need to know. These are people that uh, you need to meet. Excuse me. She did that through, as you said, paying dues. Excuse me. Paying dues through the years. So imagine all of the things that, as a black woman, Carla has had to overcome to be in this seat with people that don't look like her, to even believe that she was smart enough to be in this position, skilled enough, talented enough, all the things that we go through, having to prove ourselves, to prove our value, to prove that we're ready, we're qualified, we deserve. And then think about the push against your own. That's why I say that it to me that's... Our ancestors didn't go through what they went through for us black women to be to to have issue with each other and to hold each other back. To me, sometimes I feel like when I think about our ancestors, just black women in general through the history of this country and what our ancestors went through, lived through, survived through. And us as black women walk around sometimes and don't cover each other. You know, if we have issue with each other, fixing it, correcting it. Because our ancestors, I just don't believe, could even imagine or tolerate the way we do each other sometimes. And so, as you can see, I'm super passionate about that, but it's hard to get where Carla got. Well, you know, let me tell you what, what, um, what I've learned to understand is that um, no matter the color of your skin, there are certain things that remained, remain. Insecurity is a horrible thing. The fear that comes with those insecurities, whether it be just the feeling of not being enough or not putting the work in to be in that position, um, it goes far beyond color. So as much as you want um, us to support each other in a way that um, that we should based on the struggles that we just have in general, those things remain. And the reality is, I know the reason why I have issues in this business. The reason why I don't pay very much attention is to those issues is because I worked my ass off. Yeah, I worked even in being a very in in the business of coaching for a very short period of time, as soon as I entered and got the opportunity, based on someone else's persistence, whatever it is that I do, I do it to the best of my abilities. But there's also a process of preparation in everything that I do. I am a leader from the front. So although I was the best assistant that I could be, Mm 
I was preparing to be a uh-huh. supervisor. Yes. So, and that was not something that I was afraid to be honest about. And that's one of the things that we do that puts us in this position where you whisper and you talk behind back because it is insecurity, it is fear. And, and, and sometimes that fear is just living in your own truth or accepting the truth of other people. And until that individual overcomes those things themselves, it's going to be a constant because yeah. I know I have not done anything to you for you to feel that way. Right. All of my work is done the right way. It's done honestly. And I didn't step on anyone in order to get there. So what do you do? You know, what is it that, you know, you can do? What can Carla do? What can I do to dispel that? What you can do is continue to be yourself and despite people or in spite of people performing the way that they do, you don't take on that energy. And what I'm choosing to do is is one of the main reasons why I created this podcast is I want to talk about it. Yes. Because we don't talk about it. And I want to conversate and I want to call it out because, you know, like I said, I love us. I do. I love us as black women and I'm not always happy with us. And I'm not where you are. I think to the day I die, I will be like, don't have odd with your sister. Don't have issue with your sure. sister. To the day I die, because that is just my DNA, I have tried to look at it differently. I just feel like, you know, for me, as our, like I said, our ancestors have gone through too much. We may not always get along. We may not always speak with each other, you know, but I'm not going to do anything to hurt you. Agreed. I'm not going to lie on you. Agreed. Maybe our personalities are, are not going to mesh, and we just don't, you know, we, we person, personally-wise don't find a, a way to be able to communicate or hang around each other just because our personalities are different, but I'm not going to hurt you. Absolutely. I agree with you wholeheartedly. And there's nothing that I could say against that, that I don't believe my, and it's not that given the conversation, I'm not honest about that reality. If you're brave enough to have a real conversation with me, that's the conversation that we're going to have, but it happens in such large numbers I don't have the time to work the way that I work to create, to correct other grown people's poor behavior. It's too much work. So it's either I'm going to be a head coach and a single mom, or I'm going to be a single mom and a therapist or a psychologist or a social worker, you know, but I can't be all three all the time because that energy that I have pouring into, I'm pouring it into young people that have the ability to change the narrative. That is my focus. You're an adult. Maybe you change. Maybe you will not. Given the opportunity, I'm going to pour into you just like I pour into my girls, but them changing the narrative, the thought process yes. and the competition. You do not have to compete no. against other women women by putting them down in order to be successful or to look a certain way. As much as literally you cheering for her is not going to hinder your own path and your no. own level of success. But it gets to a point where it is too much to um to have to deal with if it doesn't want to be dealt with. I feel you. I feel you. And it's, you know, 
we'll continue to talk. I will continue to be talking about, um, you know, just our issues on this podcast. You know, we're both from basketball land. So we're talking today about just from the basketball world and the things that we've experienced. But I will also, too, be talking with my friends from other professions and the issues that they deal with, with non-women of color and women of color, you know. And I'm hoping that by hearing some of our stuff, we as women will take a deeper look at ourselves. Totally. And wonder why we are functioning with each other the way that we do and what's at the root of that. And if it is insecurity, address your insecurity, sis. Like, address it so that you're not putting that on, you know, another sister and projecting your issues onto another sister out of fear or out of insecurities. Absolutely. So... Moving on. Well, I would like to say something else about that because I think that it is just a woman issue period and just not in sports. And then, you know, we talk a lot about it being in sports because that's what we did. But it is a, we all have insecurities, you know, and it's just a matter of your level of comfort, you know, with those insecurities that you have and like how you carry them. I am the girl or the woman that is walking down the street and I see somebody and she's bad and I'm like, girl, yes. you are wearing yes. that dress or Same. I love your hair Same. or that lipstick is, you're killing it. Yes. What is so hard about that? Because it's what you're thinking. How does that positive thought turn into something negative and what does it hurt you to tell her that she is beautiful. Like my thought process in that nature is that I don't know you from Adam. I don't know what is going on in your life. But I like and what this, I see. Yes. yes. And that one thing, visually, it looks like you have it all together. You might not, but just that one compliment or that one affirmation changes how you function and how you go about things. I am the coach that tells my players that they are beautiful, that they are cute. I tell them that I love them because I do. I also say, I can't believe you came out here with your hair looking like that. And they laugh because they know that that is me. But why are we not instilling those things into them right now? How you look, how you carry yourself, it makes you feel a certain way, but it's also what you are presenting to the world. And I want them to be comfortable with being beautiful. And to me, it's, it starts at the bottom, you know, and that it will continue if you plant the seeds. And the calling out when they need to be called out is because you know what's going to be out here in the world when they finish playing basketball. Absolutely. And and those things are not going to be okay. Nope. Yeah. And it's my job to love you enough to tell you, even sometimes if you may not like the fact that I told you, you know me enough to know that I love you to tell Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Yeah. And in the moment, they might be like, what? But more times than not, they come, Coach T, thanks, Coach T, thanks for looking out for me. Yeah. Thanks for having my back. Yeah. I appreciate you. I don't get that. Uh, well, I didn't. You know, obviously, you know, I'm not in coaching right now. But I, I don't get that until after they grow up. I can't mm-hmm. tell you just in the last seven, eight months, Tina, how many former players have reached out to me and was like, Coach Reeves, you was hard on me, but 
but I think about so many things that you said to me when I was a player. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm going to tell you, it does my heart good. It, it does. For sure it does. That is the, as a mom, that is how I am coaching you. Like, I get we got to win these basketball games. And we got to go out here and be successful. Because that's the metric by which we are being judged. Yes. But I'm looking at you as a young black lady. And I know what's out here already. Yes. And so sometimes when I'm coming at you, I'm coming at you because I know what's ahead for you. Absolutely. And I have had so many of those girls reach out to me and be like, Coach Reeves, I would not be the woman that I am today. You was, you just wasn't having it. Like you were on me. And I think that sometimes because they are young and they're kids still, even though they're in college, they're still kids. We were still kids in college. I think that it takes time and a few years to graduate get out here in the world and start seeing the world from a different perspective. Cause let's be honest, Absolutely. when you're a college athlete, you're not, you're not in the real world. No, you're not in the real world. And then they start to see things and remember conversations. And it's kind of Absolutely. like when you leave your parents' house for the first time and you get out here and you realize why mom and dad said these things and it starts to make sense. That is the area and the space with which I've always tried to coach. Yes. And it's not always been well received. I will say that. I feel like some kids have walked away and was like, I can't, I don't like Coach Reeves. Mm -hmm. But I personally know in my heart, you know, I have loved every kid that I have ever coached and wanted nothing but the best for them. Absolutely. Nothing but the best for them. Regardless of their race. You know, I get this as a podcast for women of color, but regardless of their race, I've wanted nothing but the best for kids. You know, I absolutely. And I totally believe that. And the reality is it's two things. They, they are now seeing the things that you were preparing them for. And it is the absence of that love and the reminding of being the best version of yourself. Um, I too have experienced kids where they were just like, this is too much. I don't like it. You're always on me Mm -hmm. and not realizing until much later Mm -hmm. the purpose of that. I learned that from my brother, believe it or not. It's why I always say little girls need their fathers. Little boy needs their mothers. A little boy learns how to be a gentleman from his mother. A little girl learns how to be a lady From her father, father. believe it or not. And people always think that it is the woman. It is the father. My brother, in those circumstances where we were at the gym and things like that, there was a consistent reminder of, don't sit like that. Don't sit that. Don't do this. Don't do that. Because a lady doesn't do that. And he knew that because my grandmother's, my mom told him, what a lady looks like, you know? And I was with him at these times more times than not. So he was the one. He was the one who told me, boys are going to say this. They're going to do this. (laughs) And at the time, I'm thinking like, oh, my gosh. Like, why are you having this conversation with me? Like, I'm not even dating boys. I'm not even having a boyfriend. But he was preparing me for what he knew was going to be the, my reality based on his own experience. Yes. So the first time a boy said something to me like that, I was like, 
Oh, my brother told my me. Goodness. Word for word. Yes. yes. And I felt like I am on my game. Mm-hmm. So my, and I literally felt like I was powerful yes. because I was ready for this seemingly attack. Yes. And that is my intention with my kids. Yes. I am preparing you for what I know is going to happen. And unfortunately, they are going to be attacks. Yes. They might be disguised as something else, but they are. So this is a process of preparedness. Yep. It's part of it. It's part of it. And, and I agree with everything that you just said. And speaking of family and your brother and all that he prepared you for, tell me about your relationship with your mom, lady. Um, my mom and I are extremely close, mm-hmm. but we are very different. <laughs> we are very different in so many ways. The thing that I know we absolutely have in common is our level of care for the ones that we love. Yeah. My mom was a housewife by profession. Mm. My mom has never worked a day in her life. Wow. She um worked where she was receiving a salary correction because I do believe her job and taking care of the house and the children is a job. Let's not negate that, that, uh, housewives, mothers that stay at home and take care of children. I absolutely believe that that is the job. It is one of the most rewarding and hardest jobs you will ever have. Um, but, um, you know, my mom taught me so many things and, um, I I probably don't even believe that she knows it because I'm not sure if we've ever had the conversation. My mom possesses a strength that I don't have. I am very strong, but it's a different type of strong. Being a housewife, having to basically kind of follow in a way that in a lot of circumstances you don't necessarily disagree. I mean, agree with, and that you do disagree that your husband is the breadwinner, that you have to kind of wait until you are given things in order to do things that you know, you know, are necessary, that you're waiting on someone else to provide so that you're able to be. I am not that kind of woman. I don't possess that kind of strength. Um, you know, my dad, he, uh, he was something else. Sometimes to the point that I was just like, my mom is a beast because I know that I could not have married my father. And if I did marry him, we would not stay together (laughs) really long. (laughs) And I love my dad. But his thought processes, his, you know, kind of way he handled things like at time, like I absolutely didn't agree. And as a young girl, I kind of looked at my mom and I thought like, why aren't you saying something? Mm-hmm. Like, why aren't you jumping in and um, correcting these things? Um, her vision was so much larger than that small circumstance right there. Right. It was the safety, the comfort, um, the temperature in the household that her children resided in. There was a level of importance. I now know as a Mm. grown woman and as an adult that um, as a little girl, I'm sure that was judgment 
it wasn't resentment because I loved my mom. You know, I, I love my mom and I uh, appreciated all the things that she did. But I started off as a daddy's girl. Mm-hmm. And then when I felt like and had a little bit more understanding of relationships and um, just how my dad went about things that from my perspective, mm-hmm. they weren't right. I was my mom's ride or die. Yeah. You know, I became her protector. I became... Um, the person that, um, yeah, that's my mom. Yeah. There is absolutely nothing that can be done or said that makes her, um, feel uncomfortable or find, you know, discomfort. And she became, you know, one of the closest people to me. And that's still, you know, our relationship up until this day, although we are still very Very different. different. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I have to say something that you said really to me just spoke volumes to your mother's strength is that when you said that at times you wondered why she didn't speak up and say things but that she was looking at the bigger picture and being mindful of the temperature in the house and how the environment would be for your brothers and that's I mean yeah I had two sisters sisters, and two brothers so there were five of us yeah Yeah. brothers and sisters and you know that's cut from a different cloth. Absolutely. That's cut from a different it's old school. That's that's the last of a dying breed because yes. for better or worse, I think that we're a lot more independent. And not because and 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 I want to say this because when I feel like black women say we're independent, that comes across like I don't need no man. Yeah, no, not, no. That's not the case. That's not the case. It just means that I'm not going to wait for anybody. You know, I want to, there are things that I want. There's things that I'm not afraid to go and get, you know, I don't see myself as a stay at home mom or a housewife. There's things that I desire to do that I want to do. Right. But I also think there is a beauty in women who do see life that way, Mm -hmm. you know, and like you said, it's not right or wrong either way. I just think that you know, in your mom's time, and your mom is probably the same age as my mom or somewhere in that era, mm-hmm. um, they were just a different breed than us. Absolutely. My mom, um, so again, I agree. You're totally on point with women saying that they're independent and then that um, being like anti like man mm-hmm. or, you know, lacking the need of. That is not the case. I am very domesticated. You right. know, I am a house cleaner, a clothes washer, a cook. I yes. am all those things you are uh, for myself. <laughs> I'm going to cook for you today. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, and I don't have a problem following, although I am right. a leader, you have to be equipped to lead in order for me to follow. And the strength that I talked about my mom having, she followed even when she knew that he was not equipped to lead correctly. And that is what I don't possess. Me either. Because I'm going to go, hey, 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 tap you on the shoulder. We need to make a right turn, not a left. That's just who I am. And that is the child that they raised. That's who my father and my mother raised me to be. And my grandmothers raised me to be. So I am okay with that. It is not 
uh, the inability to follow. It is that I am educated enough and aware and cultured enough that I cannot follow and you not lead with great intentions. And can I just say, can I add to that? Because I couldn't have said that any better. And I can't even force myself to do it any other way. No, ma'am. If you are not equipped to lead me, period, I'm not following. It doesn't matter how much I like you, what could have been, how great it could have all worked out. Or even love. It doesn't matter how much I love you. Yes. Nope. You know, so. Great friends will be. Yeah. (laughs) Will be. And I will tell you, my dad has made it tough. You know, my mom sounds like your dad. You know, your your mom sounds like my dad. Hmm. Did I just say that right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Because my mom was, woo. <laughs> woo. <laughs> no nonsense. Cut straight to the chase. Uh, plays no games. Uh, and I have a little bit of her in me. But. Um, yes, ma'am, you do. I do. But. That's okay, though. My heart, at the essence of who I am, is Sammy Lee Alexander. Mm. My dad is the most loving. Now, see, people don't know that about me because for some reason I've, I've always been told, you project like you just don't play. And I think there's a part of me that doesn't play. Oh. But once you get to know me, you can get anything you want from me. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like, I don't play about things that should not be played with. Yes. Simple enough. Period. As my daughter would say, period. (laughs) (laughs) You know, she keeps me young. She makes me, you know, I can say things that I have really no business saying. We'll probably edit that out anyway. (laughs) We're going to probably edit that. No, it's so funny. I say that my kids, the girls, they have me saying it too. And they just go, oh my gosh, Coach T. And they think it's the funniest thing. And then when I'm really serious, I go with a T. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) My daughter, you know, who... Uh, talk about, and we're going to get back on, on subject, but just talk about um, how I said that she embraced being in Knoxville and being around uh, mm. a more diver- diverse culture um, was determined HBCU. Wow. And is currently at Tennessee State University and an honors student. Love that. And when I tell you, you she loves chills. it. Yeah. That touched it. my soul. Like when you, I mean, just really... Uh, warmed, you know, my heart, just good feelings in my heart when you told me that she got to Knoxville and it just changed her person, her spirit. and gave Yes, like that. uh, She caught it, you know, when she was supposed to. And that change changes your life. It does. Like it does. And I see you post your kids and your son, just like my son Dylan, he has this very soft face, yes. and that, and visually, from my opinion, speaks kindness even with his size. Yes. And you know, your daughter, oh, she's just her skin. I have skin envy. <laughs> I have skin envy. <laughs> just oh, she's just such a beautiful shade, and oh, just her. The confidence is obvious, and. um yeah, I wouldn't have known that before, but I don't think you used Instagram that way either. Yeah. So now I, I get to see them and and see her and it shows through the pictures and, yeah. and, and just the different things. And you guys are just capturing kind of like life moments. So uh, when you said that about her and him, 
I I saw all those things. Yeah. Which is so cool. Yeah. And it you know, for her to tell me that after all this time, like it it kind of like made me really sad, but I was happy that she got it at the time that she got it and that it changed for her because, you know, it now you can't tell her nothing. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, she knew it. You know, there's a thing of 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 having it. Um, and having a, a, an, an idea of and knowing it yeah. because you are her mom. It's just that, wow, my mom is this. And she's just not in that place of her maturity. Like that's me. Yeah. My mom like is me. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it takes us a little while, you know, longer than others to actually feel it yeah. inside out, you yeah. know? But um, the fact that she has it, she's going to be a problem. Oh, all right. And I love it. Listen, a problem out here in this world. Because when I tell you, academics does not play. Does Has never. Like, she is so serious about her schoolwork. You know, I will get text messages from her at 2 o'clock in the morning. Now, I'm dead sleep. (laughs) But she'll be like, you know, just got back from the library. Just want to let you know I'm safe. Library, 2 a.m., study groups. She creates them. Like... You know, wants to be a judge, which is funny because when Love. you said that, I was like, ah, that's so cool. But, you know, she is about it and she is an activist. She got out and protested. Every okay. time there was a protest in Nashville, you could find Kim, you know, protesting and just passionate about the right things. And so, you know, I love my kiddos, as I know you, you, you do, too. And I get it. Yeah. So we're coming to a close. Tell me something about you, Tina, you know, because I mean, we could just Google you and know pretty much everything about you. But tell me something about you that your Wikipedia page or your WNBA profile or your Virginia resume uh, doesn't say about you. I am. I work well with my hands. So I am. I am like a builder. I am a creator. I um, I am fixing and tweaking things like all the time. Like I paint things. I buy something um, because I like it, but know that I want to change it. Yeah. And that goes anything from picture frames to uh, clothing that I purchase <laughs> that um, there is something that I like about it, but I decide that I need to make it like my own. So I've always been very creative throughout um, just my entire life. And it, it, it doesn't stop. Um, it hasn't stopped. It's, I just think it's going to be forever who I am. And um, I enjoy um, quiet moments. It, it seems like I've been moving my entire life. So always traveling and being on planes, people assume that it's what I love to do. And I'm the opposite. I could literally sit in the house all day um, if I have everything with that I need with my family, like with my friends and just hang out and kick it. Yes. Those are the best, you know, moments in my life. Yeah. Last question. You make, um, you make it look easy. You know, you make, um, and I'm going to tell this story and I'm not going to edit this part, but One day I'm in a gym and, you know, Tina walks in and we know each other. And, you know, we're all just sitting there watching um, the game and we got our little coaches bags and, you know, our little regular stuff. And Tina walks in with a Chanel bag. (laughs) (laughs) 
I don't know if you, we were in New York, and I don't know if you remember, I said to you, and I, well, just come on in, Chanel. <laughs> yes, you know, you the rest of us are sitting here with our coaching bags, but you come on in. I'd be like, you've had a pretty spectacular life, and, and you've accomplished some great things, and you make it look easy, but you know that it hasn't been easy. Share with the listeners and leave a takeaway, Tina, for um, how old were you when you found out you were going to be a mom? I was 29. I had Dylan when I was 30. You had Dylan when you were 30. And you had built a career and you find out that you're going to be a mom. And all of these things that you've accomplished doing it as a single parent. Yes. So I know from having done it, it's not easy. No, ma'am. Share with listeners how it's been to create this life that you have. Um, It has been extremely hard. I don't do a good job of sleeping because Mm -hmm. there is always something to be done. But if I didn't do it, I would not be able to sleep. Mm. And that is just the reality of my life. I do not take it as a compliment when people say you make it look easy. Mm. Because the reality is, is that it is not. And I don't want anyone looking at me, following me, aspiring to um, accomplish some of the things that I've accomplished to think that it is easy because that is not right. I am blessed to be able to inspire. I think that it is one of the best things about my life and, and who I've, I've grown to be, to be. When you can inspire and be an inspiration for someone, it is an absolute blessing that I don't take lightly. So to say that it is easy, that's not even close to the truth. I have um, been awake much, much more than I've slept. And um, I'm okay with it because it is for great reasons. It is for the security and safety of my child. It is because I've committed to do certain tasks and certain jobs that um, if I did not give the absolute best of myself, I would not be happy with myself. So I don't know any other way. I don't want anyone listening to this or hearing this podcast or having um, the ability to do so think that success comes easy. It doesn't. And so few people find themselves in that circumstance. And if they do, it is not because of their easy. It is because of somebody else's really, really, really hard work. Love you, T. I love you, too. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for being here. This was an easy call. And that is a wrap with Tina Thompson, Sharana Reeves. And we'll be right back with these three things. Hey, Queens, this is Sharana Reeves. I am with Tina Thompson, and it is time for these three things. Number one, you are admired. 
I mentioned in the episode about a person that I looked up to and admired. And when I had the chance to work with that person, they said something to me that was not only hurtful, but undeserved. That person probably never knew I held them in such high esteem. And, you know, we are all capable of having a bad day or saying something that we don't mean. And for that, I've forgiven them a long time ago. But keep in mind that we never know who is looking up to us. It could be your daughters, a woman you go to church with, a sister who admires your work ethic in the gym, a student you teach whose life trajectory changed because of a word that you said, or even your colleague whose office is two doors down. Whether you realize it or not, someone is looking up to you, and most of the time, they will never tell you. Being admired is an opportunity to inspire. So let's commit to communicating with each other in a way that inspires all of us to be at our best. Number two, support. You may not believe this, but there is room for all of us to succeed. Offering your support or words of encouragement cost you nothing. As black women, we have more often than not worked twice as hard to get where we are. (laughs) And if we're being honest, we don't always support others because they didn't show support for us. Can you see how that negative cycle could continue forever? Let's begin to seize every sincere opportunity to show support to others in good times and in bad without any expectations of return. These seeds of support and encouragement that you sow into others can only return a beautiful and abundant harvest right back to you. Number three, success is not easy. The road to success, whatever that is for you, won't be easy. The roads will be narrow and winding. The hills will have peaks and plenty of valleys. There will be sleepless nights and lots of long days. But know this, you are equipped. You were built for those roads. Those peaks and valleys (laughs) didn't know what you had inside of you. Keep going. Keep believing. Push pass the fear. You are worthy of it and it will be worth it. That's it for this episode of These Three Things with Tina Thompson. We'll see you next Tuesday when we drop a new episode at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time. If you want to find more information about this episode and my guest, Go to www.these3-things.com. Go to our podcast page and click on this episode.